Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. spoke about the life of Joseph a bit, and then we spoke about the life of Esther a little bit, um, and this morning I want us to look at the, the life of Peter, um, one of my favorite characters in Scripture, and uh, I don't know about you, there's just a lot we can relate to with him, I, would, I think, in terms of, you know, successes and failures. I first wanted to call the sermon, oh, it's quite small, hmm. I first wanted to call it um, the rise and fall, the fall and rise and fall and rise of of, of Peter, because <laughs> it's like a bit of a roller coaster. But again, that's something we can we can uh, relate to, isn't it? Um, in any case, but um, just a bit of background. So, as uh, in the culture that Peter grew up in, it's now the Apostle Peter. He would have, like many or most boys, he would have learned the scriptures from a young age. He would have been taught the Torah, um, some of the um, yeah, the prophets, and they would be studying the words, studying the scriptures that were available to them. And and then, if he had shown enough promise as a student of the scriptures, you know, then this comes this time where, and this is the most honourable would have would have been the most honourable profession is to become to be trained up under a rabbi, to be trained up under a rabbi, to be then kind of raised up over the years to become a religious leader. That would have been like the ideal thing, not only for him as a career, but also for the honor of his family, etc. Um, so then there would have been this process where he would have been tested by a rabbi, um, and then he would have, you know, been, been either accepted to, you know, learn under a specific rabbi, and in his case, not. Accepted, and then in that case he would be released to go and find to make his living somewhere, somewhere, somewhere else, you know. And then in his case, he became a fisherman. But um, so, in, in other words, when we get to know Peter as a fisherman, he'd already experienced rejection. He'd already gone through that process of, okay, I'm not good enough. I was rejected by the, the rabbis. I'm not studying the law or the prophets, you know. So under the law. He'd already experienced that rejection. He'd already heard that he's not good enough. He'd already got that whole vibe that he's not spiritual. He's not a spiritual guy, you know. And uh, how often do we find ourselves in that same thing? We, I'm not spiritual enough, or I'm not. I'm. I'm I know I'm a believer, but but I'm not really like a special kind of believer. I don't. You know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see the miracles happening. I'm, I don't feel like a very spiritual person. And I'm thinking, he, um, when I read it, I think he's probably found himself in a similar kind of place. He's a fisherman. He does his thing. He's been rejected by the rabbis. He's not good enough. He's not the spiritual person. He's made peace with that. Okay? And then I just want to read from Luke chapter 5, 1 to 11. I don't know. Hopefully it's, ugh, oh no, it's very small. Anyway, apologies. One occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, he saw two boats on the, by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked them, this is Jesus, he asked them to put out a little from the land. 
he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled, signaled to their partners in the boat to come and help them to the other boat. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when, Peter, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. For now, from now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So we see this very powerful encounter that Peter has with Jesus um, in the right in the in the thing that he thought he knew, <laughs> even after his rejection, even after hearing that he's not a spiritual person, that he's not accepted, he's been rejected. Now, you know, he comes face to face with Jesus, and his response is quite accurate. You know, he, he acknowledges that he's sinful. He acknowledges that Jesus. It's just not some guy, some rabbi. He falls to his feet. He worships him. And he says, Lord, actually, I, I shouldn't be near you because I'm not a great person. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not spiritual. I'm sinful. You know, and that is accurate. And how often do we, don't we feel that same thing? We've, you know, we're going through something or wrestling through something or the enemy's throwing our past at us. And we think, oh, I, can't feel, I don't really feel like I can go to God because I'm, I'm not a really good person. I'm not very spiritual. I'm, I'm sinful. We're just aware of our fallen, our fallenness. Uh, and Jesus says to him, "Do not be afraid." And then he says to him, and this is amazing. He's the guy, the same guy that was rejected by the religious establishment under the law. He's now called by not any rabbi, the rabbi. He's now called by the Messiah. He says, "Follow me." You see this massive shift that happens right now. And must have been a kind of a huge a moment for Peter because this this is now the one that has been rejected, the one that has been found not good enough, the one that wasn't qualified, is now Jesus said to him, "No, no, you you follow me. I will make you fishers of men. I will make you. In other words, you don't have to be Superman right now. I'm going to do something in your life. I'm going to change things around. I'm going to do something in your life. If you follow me." Stuff is going to change. Amen? Um, and um, how, many, how often do we similarly need to remember the fact that Jesus had called us? Not when we were all together. Amen? Not when we had everything figured out. Not when we were, you know, had all our ducks in a row when we thought, yes, I've got everything sorted out. Jesus calls us and he dies for us when we are absolute at our worst. Amen? Okay, we'll speak more about that a bit later. Okay, so, and then we see the life of G Peter going on. He follows uh, Jesus, and he, we get to know him a bit through the Gospels. I love it. He, you know, we see him, like, always passionate. You know, he wants to see stuff happen. He wants to, he's at the forefront, you know. He wants to lead. He wants to see things happen. He's kind of a passionate guy. Um, and then there's this, this amazing moment where, where he has this very powerful revelation from the Father about Jesus. So uh, Mark chapter 16, 
from 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah. You know, people say this and that, and this is the word on the street, and that's, that was in the social media, and that was on the newspaper. This other guy made this movie, you know, random stuff going around. Um, what's the opinion out there? Others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, and he said to them, and, this, and he brings it home, okay? He says, but who do you say that I am? That's the key, isn't it? We can have a look at lots of other things. We can listen to other people's opinion. But what's on, our, what's on the inside? What do we believe? What is, what is our conviction about who Jesus is and who is he really in our lives? And then he said, Jesus said to him, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He's telling him, listen, you've just heard from God. This is a revelation that is straight from the Father. And I tell you, you are here, and on this rock I will build my church, on this revelation. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And now Jesus had an interesting dynamic going on because he was still God, right? So he still knew the beginning from the end. So he already knew what Peter was going to do. <laughs> he already knew what's going to follow not, not long after this. He knew of Peter's betrayal. He knew, I mean, not just a couple of, it seems, hours or, you know, I don't know, a short time after this, he tells, he say, Peter says something else, um, <laughs> and then Jesus says to him, Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> okay, so it's a bit of a roller coaster, okay? Um, but Jesus already knew. He knows what Peter's going to go up to. But yet he still calls him. Yet he still gives him authority. He says, you will, I will give you keys. Um, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Very powerful authority that he, that he um, delegates. Knowing that Peter is going to mess up, knowing that he's not in a good, he's not going to be, you know, Peter is feeling quite confident. You can hear that. He's, he's like, no, I've got this. Jesus knows what's, ha what's coming. He knows even stuff that we're going to mess up, right? Even before we know. And he still calls us. He still calls Peter. He still delegates some authority. He still says to him, listen. On this thing, this is a powerful revelation. God has spoken to you. He affirms his calling, and even knowing what was coming up, okay? Um, knowing that Peter would betray him, knowing that he would deny him, he still calls him. He still delegates that authority to him. Um, he, he's committed because he knows where he's taking him. Amen? Okay. Um, and then we get to the hectic bits in Mark chapter 14. Did I get this wrong way around? Could be this reference isn't 100%. You can check me. Okay. Um, and when they had sung a hymn, uh, from verse 26, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is just after the basically the Last Supper, right? Um 
And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter's like, no way, not going to happen. And Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. <laughs> Confident, a little bit arrogant as well. Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he said emphatically to Peter, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. All of them, all the disciples were like, no, it's not going to happen. But Peter was right on the front. He was, like, he was saying, Jesus, I would rather die than deny you. Confident. But we see here this confidence a little bit misplaced, okay? A little bit in the flesh, probably a lot in the flesh, okay? <laughs> confidence, a little bit arrogant here. Jesus knows what has to happen. And Peter is like, no way, God, that's not going to happen. This doesn't sound like God to me. This is not God's plan. Um, this doesn't sound right. And uh, so Peter was at a high, highish kind of point with that revelation, but now we see like mm, things on still looking so cracks showing up. Um, and then just a little bit long, um, later in this chapter, um, so Jesus was taken um, prisoner. He's taken um, to the religious leaders, and everybody runs away. Um, Peter's kind of sticks close-ish. And they and then just read from uh, 66 here. And Peter, and as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. So, okay, let's just read it. Finished. Um, he was in the courtyard where they took Jesus. One of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, "You also were with the Nazarene Jesus." But he denied it, saying, "Neither, I neither know or understand what you mean." Kind of. I don't have a clue what you're talking about. They went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again, but he didn't click again. <laughs> uh, he saw him again and began to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. And again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice you, twice, you will deny me three times. He broke down and wept. And this is actually quite hectic because um, often we are so confident in, in our own ability to follow Jesus. Amen? And we're not so reliant on, on His grace. And um, we, yeah, and we, Maybe we become confident in our spirituality or become confident in our being able to do the, the things, the, the moves, going through the motions of, of being a Christian. Um, it's apparently, if you, if you read about it, if you studied a bit, the guys say that the... I just want to give credit here. I, I, I listened to a message about this, about Peter's life a, a week or three ago, which really blessed me, um, Pastor Josh McCauley. Okay, so a lot of this comes from that. I just want to mention that, but it's, it's in the scripture. <laughs> it really inspired me. And uh, so this courtyard um, apparently was quite small. It's not a huge temple courtyard. It's much more like the high priest courtyard. And so they say that there was a good chance that Jesus would be able to hear. Well, while he was being questioned and 
and tortured and all that stuff, you would probably be able to physically hear Peter deny him. Hectically. So he was basically in the same space. And he could probably have heard Peter answering. And the reason this happens, and the reason why they mention who came to him was very significant, because in that culture, the servant girl is the least threatening. This is like the, the person you are the least scared of, <laughs> if you get what I mean. <laughs> like a small girl, not just a girl, a servant girl, <laughs> okay? Not just an older servant, a young, you know, so a, a small young servant girl. It's like not a Roman soldier with a, a knife against his throat. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not like your life is in danger now, you're going to die. Not like that at all. In other words, it makes his betrayal even worse and his denial even worse. And then he starts to swear and he makes a, he swears an oath. And so pretty much this is, this is very public and it's a massive mess and it's a massive public denial. And I don't see, I don't, you know, you can't get worse failure than this as a follower of Christ, can you? Denying him publicly um, to a servant girl. So we see this massive um, failure in, in his life, a massive disaster. Uh, you know, he kind of he relies on his own ability and his own confidence and in his arrogance. He, he says that he would rather die. But then coming from that declaration that he would rather die than deny, he doesn't deny him under the under threat of death. He denies him to a servant girl. Okay. So we see this huge fall um, and this crazy, and you know, we know what happens. You know, Jesus goes to the cross. It's only John that's around. Everybody else has run away, Peter included. And after, obviously, after this massive denial, he's just under shame and guilt. He's, he must have been a mess. He must have been depressed. He's, he was seeing illusions of grandeur with him just next to Jesus when Jesus is reigning over Israel. And now Jesus is dead. He's denied him. He's publicly shamed and it's just a massive mess. Like we find ourselves in. Amen? Often. Okay. Uh, Mark 16. Um, now this is after Jesus has died. They put him in the tomb. Closed the tomb. We know the story. Three days have passed. On the third day, on the morning, uh, when the Sabbath was passed, verse 1, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and, might go and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, <coughs> excuse me, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? They looked up. They saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. They, they, they knew they wouldn't be able to do it. So they were like thinking, how on earth are we going to do this? But it had already been rolled back. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man, sitting on the right side, dressed in white robe. And they were alarmed, so there was an angel sitting there. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. The thing is, 
Peter's betrayal was so hectic, his denial was worse than betrayal, that he did not see himself as a disciple anymore. Can you see that? How can he see himself as a follower of Jesus if he has done this? How can he? So he didn't count himself among the disciples. And probably the disciples also like you, Peter, are, you know, you pretty much just, I don't know, there's no coming back from that one, brother. You know, this is, um, this is the worst. Uh, you're going to have to sit to one side a bit, you know. But, uh, can you, but can you see that Peter does not count himself among the disciples? He's, he's basically backslidden so badly that he's, he's sore that he doesn't know Jesus. Can you see that? He's pretty much thrown in, into God's face. He's done the worst betrayal, worse than betrayal. He's, he's denied Jesus three times. You know the thing about uh, in the, some Eastern cultures, when people want to get divorced, they just have to say it three times. Okay, Some Islamic laws and stuff like that. But can you see that how he three times basically denied Jesus to such a point where he wasn't really counted as a follower of Jesus anymore? And, uh, and then we see this powerful thing. We see God sending this angel to call the disciples and to tell them the good news. And then because he knows what, which space Peter is in, he says, call the disciples and Peter. So when Mary came to the disciples, Peter must have said, okay, well, surely I'm not part of this instruction. And then she would have said, he called you by name. It wasn't just a random, all the disciples, and Peter was like left and said, Peter, because Peter must have said, okay, I realize I'm not part of this thing anymore. I've messed it up. I've, I've just gone way beyond anything that's redeemable. I've just, I'm making peace with that now. But he says, no, he called you by name. He mentioned you by name. He wants you to come. At our absolute worst place, at our absolute worst place of failure and denial and everything else. The absolute, I mean, Peter is at this point the poster child for failure. There's nothing, there's nothing you can't get worse failure than this, guys. Just, just to be honest. I mean, he, he had a great <laughs> moment where he came from a place of rejection. Jesus calls him the, the Messiah, the rabbi calls him the Son of God calls him, and he gets this amazing revelation. But then he just has this massive failure. And, uh, um, and in this massive place of failure, Jesus still has a plan. Jesus hasn't changed his mind. He called him knowing this is going to happen. He called him, he gave him keys. He gave him authority knowing this is going to happen. And he stays confident and committed to the call that he has put on his life. So he's the poster child for failure. This is the worst you can get. And I believe that God is doing something really significant here. He's helping us. He's saying, guys, you cannot get worse than this. It's not possible to have a greater failure than this. And he makes an example of Peter. Can you see that? And he says, I'm calling you by name even in this place of absolute failure. Mm. 
Okay. Let's read from this last bit. Okay, I'm just going to give you a bit of background on what happened. So they, Jesus re- re- reveals himself to the disciples a couple of times. They realize this is real. He has risen from the grave, okay? This is real. He is the Son of God. He has risen. He has overcome sin and death. He's alive. It's happening right now. It's different than we thought. We didn't see it happening like this. Um, and, and Peter is realizing he's called me again by name. He's including me again. He's, he's, he's somehow, you know, Jesus is still willing to walk with me, okay? And uh, so he's, he's obviously seeing now the empty grave. He went to see for himself. He saw the grave, grave clothes lying there. Jesus folded them up, laid them down there. Uh, interesting to note when, uh, when, Lazarus, when Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, he had the grave clothes on him still. He still had the, the effects of death. You know, they had to unwrap him. But Jesus overcame death, and he didn't have any, any effects of death on him. He just put the stuff aside there, even this cloth that they put over his face, the, the sweat cloth, they called it, um, was there. It was aside, laid aside. Okay, he'd overcome even that sweat, that work that, that, that we, was necessary for, to work, to earn your salvation, that, that, that sacrifice that was necessary. He had done it. He had laid it down. It's finished. No effects of death. He came out of the grave with no effects of death on him. I mean, uh, so Peter had went to see for himself uh, had gone to see for himself, and um, and Jesus had revealed himself to them a couple of times. And then we see this thing happening. I'm going to actually read a little bit more than I've got on the screen there. Um, John chapter 21. Um, and Simon, I'm just going to read a bit earlier in the chapter from verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel, uh, Cana, and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of, of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? How's it, how did it go? You know? <laughs> and they answered, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the other side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. But the, the disciples, <laughs> this is John writing this about himself. He said, that disciple whom Jesus loved, he's obviously had a good revelation of <laughs> Jesus' love from that, that one. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work. He threw himself into the sea, and the other disciples came in the boat, dragging in the net full of fish. Nor, uh, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Um, so we see this powerful picture. Jesus, uh, Peter has, in, 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 in the meantime, he has realized that, P- that he's good. He's good with Jesus. Okay. And, uh, and now when he hears it's Jesus, he, he just uh, he can't get to him quick enough. Okay, he's, he's, he realizes he's been redeemed. He's seen the empty tomb. He's seen Jesus including him again, and he's seen that he's been restored. Amen. But then Jesus wants to take it one step forward, one step further. 
So um, he, he, he rushes off to get to him as quickly as he can. Doesn't give us details, but I can just imagine him almost kind of just wanting to tackle him there in terms of an embrace. Um, when they got out um, on land, they saw, they saw the charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you just caught. Um, da -da -da, they had the number of fish there, exactly 153 of them, large ones, um, etc. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, uh, now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread, bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And I'm going to get to the key point here. Then, and Jesus starts to affirm and restore Peter. And when he finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, yes, Lord, I, you know that I love you. It's as if you're saying, um, well, let's just read on. I, I know, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself, walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he, Peter, was to glorify God. He was also crucified. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So three times. For each time that Peter denied him so publicly, so shamefully, so at the absolute worst way you can imagine, Jesus has him confess his love, has him confess. But that at one point he, he, he says to him, Lord, you know, as if he's saying, before it was, it was my knowledge, it was I thought I knew. I thought I could do this in my strength. I could, I could rely on my own spirituality, on my own ability. I, I thought I loved you in a way that would was be okay for you. And then but now he's almost saying, Lord, you know that it's only through your grace. It's only by your resurrection power. You know, he's saying, you know it because it's only because of you that it's possible. Um, and then he restores him three times. Peter coming from that absolute worst place of failure, he restores him and he calls him, and again, he affirms it, follow me. The calling is still in place. The authority is still in place. The, everything has happened. The absolute fall that has happened has not changed the plan that God has for his life. He's seen the tomb. He knows he's been redeemed. He knows that he's, he's been restored. And then I want to end with um, Acts chapter 22. No, not 22 at all, Acts chapter 2. Um, and uh, I, I want to read the whole thing, but they are waiting in the upper room for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon the 120 there in the upper room. Powerful impartation of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the start of the church in the New Testament, right? The, the, when the Spirit is poured out, 
They receive power. They receive a flame on their heads. They start prophesying. They start speaking in tongues. The guys that are there for the festival from all over, they hear these languages, and they say, well, why are these guys able to speak all these languages? Um, they like, are they, are they filled with new wine? In other words, <laughs> did they have too much to drink? And then you see this powerful moment. Um, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed the men of Judea and, and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. He goes on to quote a big chunk of the Old Testament. Now he quotes some scripture and then he goes on 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you, my God, with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in our midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified, you know, he's like you guys, crucified him, and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Okay, that's how he starts his sermon. But can you see <laughs> how the Holy Spirit chooses Peter for the first sermon? And not any random place. A couple of meters away from where he had that exact fall where he had that massive failure. Probably a couple of those people around must could have been around when he had when he denied Jesus. So he's coming now and, and the Holy Spirit picks Peter. And Peter is almost being able to say, Guys, you guys crucified Jesus, but I count myself among you. I know because I was there. I, I denied Jesus myself just over there. Can you see how he's able to Yes, he has authority. Yes, he has been chosen. Yes, now he has boldness. Yes, he has been filled with the power of the Spirit. But he is not only that. He's, I know exactly where you're at because I was there myself. That His own disqualification, his own failure now paves the way for him to be able to minister in a way that he would not have been able to minister before. That, that disqualification, that absolute failure now puts him in a position where he can relate and he can say, guys, look what has happened. But Jesus rose from the dead. We have all fallen. We've all failed. We've all sinned. We've all crucified him. But he's risen from the grave. And he's calling us to himself. He's calling us to follow him. That exact place of absolute failure actually positions him once restored to be able to have a much more powerful message than he would have had before. Can you see that? He now has a testimony. He now has a conviction of the saving grace of God that he did not have before. He now knows something about the love of Jesus that he did not know before. After wrestling with, with God through that absolute worst kind of failure that you can imagine, he now has a powerful message. And he stands up under the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Peter that a couple of weeks before denied Jesus before the most unthreatening person in society now gets up in front of this huge crowd of people. Must have 
at least 3,000. We know it must have been way more than that. And he preaches with boldness, with the anointing of the Spirit of God. And, and the, to such an extent, under the anointing of the Spirit, that the, the guys there saying, what should we do? They were cut to the heart. What should we do? He says, repent and be baptized. And 3,000 souls are added to the church in their first impromptu uh, church meeting there. <laughs> Amen. Um, he, the Holy Spirit, chose, chooses him for the first sermon to start the church in the New Testament. He's come from the worst place of failure. The absolute best example of the worst kind of failure you can get. And, and Jesus shows that from that place, nothing has changed. The plan of God is the same. His calling is still the same. And He's restored him. And, he's, and now Peter is in a different space. He's reliant on the Holy Spirit. He's, he has, understands how deeply um, a real, you know, dependent he is on the power of God. And Jesus, and, he, and he's able to minister in that same power. When we, um, you see, there was, a, there was a time when when Peter was so under shame and guilt that he did not even count himself a disciple anymore. The thing we have to remember about shame and guilt and condemnation is that Jesus carried that stuff for us on the cross. And that those things cannot sit in two places at once. So either the shame and guilt and condemnation in my life is on me or it's on Jesus. It can't be on both. You see that? And guys, I must be real. I have to remind myself of this because when the enemy throws that stuff at us, I must tell him, listen, you need to remember, I don't carry this stuff anymore. <laughs> it's on Jesus. Hallelujah. Before I choose to get depressed again because of my fallenness, because of my sinfulness, all of that stuff, I must remind the enemy and myself that that stuff is, I must either carry it or I must say, no, no, no thank you. It's on Jesus. It can't be on both. So I want to, there's a choice here. Are we going to still carry that stuff? Or are we going to, Walk in the knowledge that Jesus has, it, has carried it for us and he's already dealt with it. In Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, we read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And the word despising there apparently just doesn't mean exactly the way we think it, what it means. It, it also means as completely dealt with, completely sorted out, finished, and dealt with. That's the shame. He's, he's completely handled it. He's sorted it out, and now he's seated at the right hand um, of the throne of God. That shame, that guilt, that sin has com been completely dealt with. I cannot take it upon myself again. I have to leave it on Christ. Amen. Um, he has endured the cross. 
He has despised the shame of those things. Absolutely sorted it out once and for all. Nothing left. Amen. Completed. Finished the work. Every time I put myself under condemnation, every time I struggle to forgive myself, what I'm actually almost doing is I'm saying, can I add something to the work of the cross? When I'm allowing myself to walk under condemnation and guilt and shame, when I'm depressed about something and I'm not getting right or about a failure in my life, actually, I'm, I'm almost saying, me handling this thing, I'm, I can do, add something to the cross. Can you see that? Let's not do that. Let's just say, Lord, I cannot. Jesus has done it. I'm not, I'm not taking any of this. I cannot because he's already. The cross is sufficient. There's nothing I can add to the cross. I can't punish myself. Sometimes we do that. We punish ourselves. We feel better when we, you know, when we're in that deceived place where we feel if I punish myself in this way, I'll be, I'll feel better. Don't do that because we're trying to add something to the finished work of Jesus. He's already finished. He's already dealt with it completely. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Thank you, Father. I don't know where you find yourself this morning. Um, I can relate to a lot from Peter's life. And um, I believe that there are hearts here this morning that have experienced shame and condemnation, even as believers, that have maybe you in that space where you feel you're not making the cut, or maybe you've You've wrestled through things and you feel you're, at, you're not winning. <laughs> you're at the losing end. You're failing. Maybe you feel you're as a failure as a, as a believer. Maybe you feel God has called you to business or to a workplace and, you know, nothing. How much is happening? You, you can't, you know, you had great, you know, visions of the, everybody getting saved and now, you know, it's just not working out like you thought and, you may be in that place where you feel like Peter. Stuff is not looking good. Maybe you're at the other end. Maybe you have not yet had the call. Maybe you've not yet responded to the call of Christ. And you realize that you, you, you know, you've experienced rejection from many sides. You've maybe leaning on your own competence or your own experience. Maybe you're leaning on many other things, but you realize that you, you need to respond to the call of Christ. When he says, follow me, I will make you. Maybe you're in that space where I was working so very hard to please people and to try and please God as well, trying to earn your salvation, trying to be a good person. But this morning, I believe Father is extending his hand to us and saying, my son, my daughter, I've given my son. And he has paid that price because you cannot pay it. He has paid it. He has taken that burden of sin. He has taken that shame. He's completely dealt with it. He's sorted it out. Once and for all. And even Peter, 
the worst case of failure in all of history. He is redeemed and he is called him. And he is, when you read the rest of it, Peter's role in establishing the church is massive. He ends up being crucified, glorifying God. Oh, let's just bring our hearts before God this morning. Thank you, Lord. You know each one of us. You know where we're at, Lord. You know the condition of our hearts. And thank you that you love us the same. Thank you that through the blood of Jesus, you receive each one, even in our worst failure, even in our place of absolute abject failure, even in the place where nothing makes sense, when we, we don't make the cut on, on all levels, as far as the expectations we have of ourselves or what the people put on us or that the world puts on us. We, on every level, we feel like we've failed and miserable. <laughs> Thank you, God. That is exactly that, that you... That you that path that lays the path that paves the way for our restoration, that paves the way for a testimony, that paves the way for a message, that paves the way for us to be dependent upon you, Lord, and for us to no longer put our trust in our own spirituality or our own uh, capability or experience as believers, Lord, but that we can put our hope and our trust only in you, knowing that you have dealt with that stuff. In Jesus' name. And as every eye is closed in this place, if you know this morning that you are not right with God, if you know you've not yet responded to His call, you have not yet counted yourself as a follower of Jesus, you have not yet you know, received that um, invitation that to be a child of God. Or maybe you're in a place where you have in the past, but right now you know. You are far from Him. I believe the Father is inviting you to come close to Him. Inviting you to receive His gift of life. To inviting you to receive His forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. Inviting you to lay down your life. To take up your cross. To follow Him. Turn, to turn away from your sin. To turn away from being your own Lord and Master. And to follow Him. Savior as Lord, as King. As every eye is closed, if that's you this morning and you want to ac ac accept and receive that invitation and respond to that invitation this morning, would you raise your hand for a moment? It would be my privilege to pray with you this morning. Is there anybody like that? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And then secondly, if, if you're in that space where you have wrestled through some hectic things, Maybe you're trying to keep it together and on the surface things are still looking okay, but deep down you feel like a, a worse failure. You feel like Peter. <laughs> Maybe stuff has happened. Maybe there's, you feel disappointed in yourself. Maybe you've not, like I said, in a spiritual way achieved. Maybe you feel disqualified <laughs> from any call. Maybe you knew that you had a call in your life, but you messed up so badly that right now you feel like a second rate. If you can just sit Second-rate believer, if you can just sit in the back of heaven one day, you'll be happy. Uh, you know, kind of, you know, the enemy has convinced you, and I believe there's some people you're like this. The enemy has convinced you that the calling that was on your life at one point 
is no longer valid. You've disqualified yourself because of stuff that has happened. Um, I believe the Father is extending a hand of grace to you and I this morning, saying, my son, my daughter, I sorted that stuff out. I've called you by name. The disciples and Peter, put your own name in there. (laughs) Follow me. If that's you this morning, whatever you've been wrestling through with it, whatever shape or form it may have just taken, I don't want you to come forward right now, but just to raise your hand where you're at, just to say, Lord, here I am. I need you to restore me. (laughs) I need you to renew my trust in you. I need to put my faith in you and you. I need to acknowledge that I haven't managed to handle this really well in my own strength. Um, And just I'm coming just in vulnerability and humility before you. Thank you, Father. You see every hand, Lord. You see every heart. Thank you that you receive each one in Jesus' name. Thank you for the new hope in our hearts. Thank you that just as Peter saw the empty tomb this morning, Lord, that we would have that same revelation in our hearts, Lord, that you have risen from the grave. You have sorted out that stuff. You have carried our sin and our shame. It cannot sit in two places at once. This morning again, we choose, Lord, that all of my sin and all of my shame is upon Jesus. We thank you, God that I don't have to carry that stuff anymore. I cannot add to the finished work of the cross. I thank you, Lord, that you have brought me free and your sacrifice is sufficient. And I thank you, Lord, this morning, like you did with Peter, that you stir in our hearts this morning a hope of the calling on each life. I thank you, Lord, that oh, the way that we thought we disqualified ourselves, Lord, yet you say, no way. That hasn't changed. I still have given you the keys, and I still have called you, and I've still poured out my spirit, and what you have called you to do remains. And nothing can come between you and the love of God that He has for you. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you restore hope in every heart right now in the name of Jesus, that you restore faith. And Lord, we come against every lie of the devil, every condemnation that he wants to put on us, every accusation of the enemy we expose in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, for a revelation and understanding, Lord, that we, not on our own strength, Lord, but because of the blood, because of the resurrection power of Christ, we are able to follow you in a way that pleases you, God. Thank you, Father, that you empower us by your Spirit, that you raise us up from a place of failure, that you restore each one, and you, con- you call us to continue to follow in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you renew um, in hearts this morning seeds of destiny, Lord, that those seeds will, that have been dormant in some hearts will rise, will grow again. <laughs> visions and dreams and prophecies and words of what you want us to achieve for your name's sake in, in our nation, not in our strength, Lord, but what you want us to Great exploits that you're calling us to go and do in our workplace, small and big things, Lord, little things in our neighborhoods and in our in our daily family lives, but also, Lord, your call, you've called each one here to be a part of your plan of redemption for our city and for our nation. Thank you, Lord, that you have not changed your mind. Thank you, Lord, that your call remains. Thank you, Lord, that even our greatest failure sets us up for the glory of God being made manifest in our lives. Lord, we say yes to all of that again in Jesus' name. 
be glorified in our midst, Lord. In our worst failure, be glorified. In my absolute place of, of, of the mess that I am, Lord, be glorified in it, God, in Jesus' name. And let your kingdom come, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for your patience this morning, and thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash Pretoria.